Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. I'm Adam Diamond, your host, and today we have a special guest here. We have Brad Summers. Uh, hey, Brad, how's it going? Good, Adam. Good to hear you. Good to talk to you. Yeah, it's great to have you around. Uh, I met you, uh, I think it was two yeah, two years ago now at TGC Atlantic. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah. Uh, but that, that, was, that was a great, just not long after I started working with Mile One Mission. Uh, so today we're going to uh, have a bit of an interesting conversation, I think, I would hope, uh, on church planting. We've done some theology episodes as of late for those listening. But today it's going to be on church planting, and me and Brad, we had a conversation uh, a few weeks back, and he said something that really stuck with me. Um, you, you said, Brad, when we were talking that, you know, you should plant the church that your community needs and not the community, not the church that you want to plant. And uh, that, that really stuck with me. But before, before we get into that, uh, why don't you tell, you know, anyone listening, like, you know, who you are, who's Brad Summers, uh, you know, what church do you pastor? Why should we listen to this guy? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Why should you? Uh, yeah, so Brad Summers is my name. We have, uh, my wife and I moved here to Halifax. I'm from New Brunswick originally, and we moved here to Halifax about 14 years ago now, and we're on the north end of Halifax, which is a high-needs, um, high-risk community, so lots of generational poverty. Uh, most of the social needs uh services are here in our end of the city mm -hmm. we have the largest uh, you know men's shelter here in atlantic canada here in the north end uh and, and several other things that just make make that the dynamic of where we are uh, where we moved and so we moved here intentionally to plant a church uh, i was pastoring at a church in ontario and I was just getting ready to turn 40 and was praying, God, uh, is this what you want me to do? You want me to be a youth pastor, a college and career pastor, uh, or is there something else that you have next for us? And we were kind of feeling a holy discomfort or a holy discontent and wanting to get back close to the East Coast. And so we moved here, yeah, about 14 years ago to start a church plant in this neighborhood. Wow, that's, that's great. And uh, I believe PAX North, you've been you know, on the go for, I think you said, 10 years now? Yeah, it's uh, 13 last this past March. 13, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's great. And since then, we've planted a church out of ours uh, in the valley. The pastor is uh, Pete, Peter Lindemann. Um, and so he, and that plan ended up becoming a renewal uh, work alongside of Canning Baptist Church. So Pete's now pastor in Canning Baptist Church, and the church we began there has amalgamated with them. So the church renewal there, and we're just getting ready in the next uh, 12 to 18 months is the target to uh, plant another church here out of our church right in the city in Spryfield with uh, Andrew Arden. Yeah, that's with Andy. Yeah, that's that's great. It's so good to see that God is moving uh, through you guys and that you are you know multiplying through your local church and creating other local churches. Mm -hmm. Which is no, you know, not really far off of what we do here on Mile One Mission. <laughs> Absolutely, it's gonna it's gonna be a part of the DNA to be happening, right? It's gonna be intentional. Yeah, it's great. Uh, planting church is actually fairly new to me, to be honest. I mean, uh, I came across it only a few years ago before I started, maybe a few months before I started with Mile One Mission, but uh, it's definitely grown on my heart since 
Mm. All right. So, uh, yeah, about what you said in our last conversation, plant a church your community needs and not the church you want. Uh, so why don't you work out, so, you know, 13 years for PAX North, you're downtown Halifax. Uh, so how did that play out for you as uh, you and your wife and, you know, your family as you started PAX North? Like, was there a point where you're like, this is the church I want? And then very maybe down the road, you're like, uh, maybe this won't work. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. We did the similar to the route I think that you guys are doing there, Adam. We did the. I mean, I was pastoring already for twenty some years, mm-hmm. almost twenty years. By the time I, uh, by the time I was, you know, feeling like I was called to plant or getting ready to plant, and, and we worked through a church plant assessment process, uh, which you guys do as well. Yep. Yeah, just to kind of get our our minds and hearts set in the right direction, and what what's the difference between church planting and uh, and pastoring a church that's already established? Just working some of those details out. I think assessment's really good for that, and you know affirming the call. That was uh, it was really helpful, and and then uh, you know in the middle of that kind of assessment process, you begin to form. So the church is kind of planted in your own mind. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, here's the kind of church we want to have. Here's the kind of church that I've. Uh, I really uh, would would like to have. Now, a lot of times guys plant because they're pissed off at uh, the church that they just left. Uh, they don't like how it's how it's going or how it functions or the they feel like it's dysfunctional to some level. Mm-hmm. And so they their their whole assessment of what they want or what they feel the church should be is based upon their frustration with the bride uh, that they know. And so I think that also plays a part oftentimes in in our planting in our mindsets before we even plant. So the church kind of gets formed in our own thoughts, in our own mind. Uh, part of the problem with that is, is we often try to take, uh, you know, you, you hear, you hear statements like, uh, this is going to be a church for people who don't like the church um, or a church for people who are sick of church. Mm. Um, and then we go in and we plant or, or a church that, uh, you know, this isn't like your grandma's church. Yeah, yeah. But but then we take a model of a church that we have in our mind and, and we think this is going to be the next best church, the model itself. And we try to plant that model. We try to uh, parachute that model into the community instead of doing the legwork in the community to, to find out what what does this community need? How how can this community be introduced to the good news of Jesus Christ in the most effective way? So. So in that in that regard, we we start in ways we train our train our planters. We're kind of training miss, missionaries, right? It's a it's a missiology kind of approach where you you need to go in and exegete that community, know what that community is like, uh, and begin to. So you need to spend some time there. So for us, for instance, we spent a, a full year just in our neighborhoods and our communities. We raised enough funds so that we could just spend time in the community for a year before we started anything. Uh, just to get to know our community. Our community is very diverse. It's very different than what I grew up with in the Maritimes, very different than what my wife knew as well. Mm -hmm. And so it took us a year to at least just get a feel for this neighborhood. Uh, Instead of just coming in and planning a church, uh, our church model, which which my argument would be that's a church service, so you're planning a church service. I think it's very different between planning a church service and planting a church. <laughs> that, that's that's great, man. You're full of go, good one-liners, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's a big. I mean, that's a big deal, right? Like, like so often we go in with a model and we just say, okay, if I plant the right church, uh, church service, uh, they will come. You know, if I build it, they will come. 
Uh, yeah, that, that's in, that's great, man. Because I mean, um, we're we're doing. I mean, in the office, we're also doing some send network training, which we're doing with uh, Andy. You mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, and they get you go, you know, work on, you know, your mission statement, your vision statement, all that stuff. And I mean, I know it's meant to be preliminary, but uh, it does kind of help you. Like you said, you know, you start to formulate this idea of what your church could be like, mm-hmm. right? When you get there. But, you know, it's, it's a good reminder to be mindful of like that might not be the case when you get on the ground. Um, yeah. yeah. So how, how was it like, you know, you spent that year there getting to know your community. How, how did that go? Yeah, so I think one of the big things in our community, and this is this is typical of high-risk communities. Uh, lots of lots of people come in to fix the community or to be the uh, try to be the answer or solve the problem of the community. Maybe we come in with this kind of messiah complex that we somehow are going to be the savior of this community. And especially as believers, we come in as church planters. We come in, we're saying, well, we do have the savior. But sometimes we attach the Savior to the model of church we're doing, mm. as opposed to bringing the Savior uh, into the everyday uh, everyday world. So just like hanging out a lot in the neighborhood, getting to know the neighborhood, gaining some credibility in the neighborhood, talking to shareholders or stakeholders uh, in the neighborhood, people who've been there less than five years, people who've been there longer than 10 years, you know, trying to get as much touch points as you can. Uh, in the widest variety, especially in an urban setting, the widest variety of uh, people groups or people who are there, you know, over a shortest period of time to try to really, really get to know what's going on in that neighborhood. So I, I, that, uh, there was a cafe on God again that I began to hang out at some 14 years ago. And I, I still go there. Well, not right now but because of COVID, <laughs> but I still go there at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. And that's my like on the street office. And that's where uh, street level folks come and hang out. Uh, if I'm, you know, Hey, you, I need to talk to you about something. I'll say, Hey, on Wednesdays, I'm at the backpacker. It's also an international backpacker. So lots of great conversations from around the world happen there. So it's uh, yeah, I'm at the backpacker cafe, come in on Wednesdays and uh, I'll be there, man. Grab that's, you a coffee. That's so good, man. That's, that's actually really great because it can really be easy to, you know, have that Messiah complex and think that I'm going to go in, I'm going to change this neighborhood, I'm going to change, you know, this part of my city uh, when, you know, really we're just the tools God uses and we don't <laughs> ultimately have any real control over that. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So looking at, you know, when you, you know, you're 13 years in, um, when you first got started, you know, how has PAX... Uh, developed differently than how you first imagined it? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, we one of the big things that we knew that we wanted to do is we wanted to stay in the north end of Halifax. PAX North, it's called North because we want to be in the north end of Halifax. Mm-hmm. We want to be in this neighborhood. We want to look, smell, act. Uh, you know, yeah, we want to be this neighborhood. That's that's what we want to, that's what God has called us to. And so that's one of the things we've been fighting for that, that wouldn't get sabotaged. So, we, you know, as a church planter, you you end up, uh, you know, using different uh, settings, different venues. So when we first started, we started at a pub or at a bar, kind of an iconic bar here in the north end of Halifax called the Marquee. Okay. And it had uh, a bar upstairs, had a bar downstairs, had a bar out front. So it's, well, the, the place had three different bars in it. And at the time it was closed. So we went to the owner and said, hey, we, we want to do this church thing. Wondering if we could rent it for... Uh, like Saturday nights or Sunday Sunday afternoons. He didn't want to do anything mornings because he had to have his own tech guys there. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
he he was like, no, they won't get up in the morning. So, <laughs> so we started on a, a Sunday afternoon and, um, yeah, it, I mean, it was soon, soon after that they opened the bar. So it ended up being, uh, quite a task for us just to just to be there but it gave us a feel for the neighborhood because uh, people would come to the bar for for all kinds of things but they would come uh, when we invited them in our neighborhoods for a church service they'd want to kind of see what it's like at that time we had a lot of street level i was doing a lot of street level work uh, so a lot of uh, low income a lot of uh, homeless so we had a lot of street level and we, we started our service off just like you would every church service. And we were at a bar, so it's a little bit different. And the bar downstairs uh, was called uh, Hell's Kitchen. So we were sending our kids to hell for children's church. That's what we sent them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a little odd. We didn't announce it that way, but that's kind of what was happening. Yeah, it's kind of uh, like you're joking behind the scenes, right? Like, oh, great. Yeah, exactly. We're sending our kids to hell to learn about Jesus. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, and there was all kinds of lessons we learned there. So we, we started off with a regular church service that you would do, you know, hey, glad you're here. Uh, do do a, a song, do some announcements, do a couple more songs, do uh, preaching. We do communion at PAX every week. And so we would hold communion um, as a response to our worship. And I mean, one of the things is, uh, you know, if you invite a bunch of non-believers from your community into a bar, on a uh, Saturday or Sunday night, and they see these little uh, communion cups that look like shooter cups. And, uh, and what, what was happening is we were playing music. They were still milling around. We were playing worship. For them, it was just music. Uh, they were still milling around. They were going to get the shooter cups, and then they were hitting on the girls. Um, mm. <laughs> most, most of the girls were the wives of the, the four, four families that we had there. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, our, we did we did a couple of pre-services and or um, pre-launch services. And and that's kind of what was happening. So our worship guy and I, we met, we prayed and said, you know, this this isn't worship. And that's when we began to realize we were, we're planting a church that we thought uh, we would plant. Whereas there's a there's a community that we're planting in that needs a you know, they need to be trained. They need to be shown how to worship. So it began to kind of mess with our liturgy. Now, I would argue, I think from scripture clearly that, uh, you know, even the early church, right. They, you have time for the apostles teaching or preaching. You have time for fellowship. Mm -hmm. You have time for the breaking of bread. You have time for prayer. That's, that's all a part of, that's kind of, I would say those are the non-negotiables of your church plant or your, your Sunday church. Um, but what we discovered is we needed to teach these guys and girls how to worship these people from our communities. So what we did is um, we began to say, okay, well, well, let's uh, let's put the scriptures at the first. Let's begin to think about uh, everything we do. Let's train or teach. On, let's not just assume. And so often we move through just assuming um, that they know, right? That they know what um, what planting or what uh, what churches church is or what church is supposed to be like yeah that's so, that's a great example um we we had discussion here in the office and uh you know uh, you know myself and sabrina are looking to plant downtown with my mission here in st john's and uh obviously we're looking at you know the mental health aspect the homelessness uh the, the sex workers uh you know and drugs all these you know big 
issues that you can look at. But then we also had the discussion, okay, wait a second, what if that's not who we get to come out first? Mm-hmm. Right? Like what if we get the business people or the, you know, the ones that work in restaurants, the middle class or students to come out, right? Mm-hmm. Then what, what's our approach then? So we just can't plan around, uh, you know, okay, we're just going to focus on this group. It's like, no, you might get this group. And then you got to figure out how to, how do we then get the business people to interact with our homelessness, right? How do we get our business people to, you know, come alongside those who do have mental health issues? And it was just a really great uh, conversation we had here. And, you know, you, you can go in with a plan, but that might not always be how it works out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we discovered. So, um, you know, we, we started doing, we spent, we spent a lot of time in the neighborhood in the communities uh, serving as much as we could serve making every opportunity to be there, have conversations. And then as we invited people into the worship, so like 40% of our church has come to Christ in the context of gospel relationships, uh, even before many of them, even before they even came to the church service. So, uh, you know, it, it becomes a discipleship model of growing the church or seeing the church planet. And then as they came to the church service, one of the big things we had to do is begin to teach them how to worship. So we've, we look at the scriptures and we see oftentimes the scripture, not always, but oftentimes the scripture, we see that uh, people, you know, God reveals himself to people. God shows up and then people respond in worship. So we begin to set our service up that way. Mm-hmm. And we also, one of the big things that we've done um, since then is every part of our liturgy, we just didn't want them to assume that they knew what they were doing. So, uh, you know, we would say we're opening God's word because, okay, now we're responding uh, one of our one of the things that came out of this is uh, right after our sermon, we did a question and comment time. So we'd have little cards and people would write out questions and comments. Someone would collect them, bring them to the front. And then we would ask the congregation. So they would write the questions and comments out. I would read the question and comment. And we'd ask the congregation to answer the question and comment. So we could see how well the congregation was tracking with the with the message that was spoken are they making gospel applications or are they making uh, you know, moralistic or hedonistic application, uh, applications from God's word? So like, like some of the things that we've had happen during that kind of time, that response time. Uh, so open God's word first and everything then is a response from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we would, you know, lead in with questions and comments. So, so for instance, we had, um, we, I was teaching on uh, sermon on the Mount and uh, turning, teaching about forgiveness and uh, one of the hookers who was uh, attending that Sunday, she during the question and comment time, she goes, OK, well, I got a question. What if my pimp does and she just like gives my children an education uh, <laughs> in, in that period of time? So how do I how do I act? How do I live in forgiveness? How do I act out this forgiveness you're talking about? I can't have that kind of forgiveness. And I just turned to the congregation, to the people who were there that day. I said, well. According to what we've just read and studied in the context of Scripture, the Sermon on the Mount, how does Christ tell us to forgive this kind of situation? And we just had a great, you know, it's only five, six, seven minutes interaction. Uh, and that's happened often. But, but that was the big thing is, you know, even setting up our worship service in such a way as to teach our people how to worship. So, so as they did the question and comments and we moved to a confession time and we moved from confession, uh, you know, song of confession, just prayers of confession, song of confession, and our whole liturgy then just kind of flows out of that. So, 
So, I mean, that, that's just some of the way that our community has informed the way we do church. Mm. Yeah, that, that's that's wild, man, because I mean, you wouldn't think, you know, when you think of church, you don't really think of those things. And, uh, you know, are, are you are you saying that people got saved, you know, not, not coming to the altar in your church? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Qu- quite often in the context of relationships. Um, and quite often it's a journey for most of our people. It was like in the context of relationships together, uh, talking about the gospel, making applications of the gospel together, people living uh, living their messes out, you know, living the, the junk of their life out um, and working that through Christ. Uh, and then they they begin to have those conversations, well, what's different? And then they invite them to church so often. And then church just becomes, um, what's the word, a complement to what the Spirit of God is already doing in drawing them to himself. Yeah. All right, uh, Brad, so we're 20 minutes in. So uh, let's, you know, for those listening now, because, I mean, you've described some really great scenes here for how, you know, your church has, you know, being contextualized to where you are, you, you and your wife and your family, you've studied the area, you spent that year just learning the people, you know, the, we'll say the language, you know, the mannerisms, etc. cetera. Uh, for anyone listening, like whether they are interested in church planting or maybe their church is already established, uh, what's the best way for them if they're trying to reassess things? Like, how do I know if my church is what my community needs? What do you think is the best thing for them to do? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's a loaded question as well, and uh, not, it's probably something we can't answer in three to four minutes. But uh, I think one of the things, uh, two of the things that I would say is, even though you've grown up in that community, like for for me, for instance, if I was to go back to Miramichi in New Brunswick and to start a church, I, I think I'd make a lot of assumptions mm-hmm. about my community. Um, and because of things like internet, um, I would also say urban influence in the context of internet and culture, we assume that we know our culture, but it is, um, you know, it is much broader uh, and much more urbane in its thinking. And for Canada, that means uh, much more humanistic uh, in its thinking as well. So, mm-hmm. so I think it's really important to get a hold of those, you know, you know, the understanding of where our culture is going as a whole, and to speak into those things, um, to make opportunity to speak into those things. So, so uh, one preacher says you when you're sharing uh, at church or you're sharing with others, you're studying, you have to think for those who are not there, right? So if you're in the context of a church, you get in the habit of preaching to those who are there. You you have to preach also for those who are not there so that the people in your pews, the people in your chairs will be able to say, you know what? We just talked about that at church uh, last Sunday. Um, here's the things we were talking about. So you give, you give good fodder. Uh, for gospel conversation. So I'd say that'd be one way if you're already an established church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you study not just, you know, not just the word, but study also the culture and how the gospel interacts, how the word interacts with that culture. So you can equip your people to have those conversations. Uh, and and then you make opportunities for that. So one of the things that we're doing right now is we're just launching a depression and the gospel online course. Um and we're doing that uh, starting next week. It's going to be six weeks. It's a place where you can invite your friends who are struggling with depression or people that are you know, struggling with anxiety. Uh, it, it's a pretty simple way for your people to, to make a, a step towards someone who may not know Christ or is struggling and become a part of an online conversation. So, so I think there's simple ways. I think we don't have to overcomplicate it. 
So that'd be, that'd be one of the things. And the other things I would say is really look at your, you know, the whole church, your whole church mindset, your whole church setting, but, but in particular, your, uh, your church service, like, like, are you just moving through the motions, assuming everyone knows what's going on? Uh, is the various parts of your service, are you training? Like those are opportunities to teach people how to worship and then also teach your people how to encourage others to worship. Uh, so, you know, do you stop at the beginning of, hey, uh, we're going to stop now and uh, after our after our sermon, and we're going to have some confession time. Confession time means you confess who God is, and you confess who you are not, or you confess the, the struggles you have in your spiritual walk in life. Dude, that, uh, you know, like that's, you, that's so good. Um, it's, yeah, it, it, those are such good tips for anyone listening. Um now, I would love to have you back on here, and uh, hopefully we can have maybe a longer conversation on some of these things. What do you think about that? Yeah, man, no problem. I'm, uh, I'm always available for conversation. Well, that was our conversation with Brad Summers from PAX North in Halifax. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it and that you got a lot. Brad had a lot of really good things to say, and I'm hoping that we can have Brad on the show again. Um, thanks again, Brad, if you're listening, for uh, talking with me about these things and helping us just break down and just see what you know church planting can really be like and you know how it's not always what you plan and what you expect it to be. It can just be what your community needs it to be. For those of you listening, I hope you enjoyed this. And if you want to hear Brad again, let us know. Um, I hope you enjoyed this and hope you got an insight into you know a different side of church planting and how that's different and if you're an established church uh, i hope that, that you are able to look and see you know are we a church that our community needs and if not well how can we change it how can we truly be a church that our community needs so thanks again for listening and catch us again next week you have been listening to rugged theology Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca.